Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. It was another Grand National for Scotland, for the enduring partnership of Lucinda Russell, Derek Fox, and Peter Skudamore, Corrick Rambler, one of the most charismatic horses in training and undoubtedly one of the classier. With bottomless reserves of stamina, it was Corrick Rambler who won a dramatic and much talked about Grand National upon which we will reflect through the next two and a half hours. You'll be hearing from the winning trainer, Lucinda Russell. You'll be hearing from Nevin Truesdale, the chief executive of the Jockey Club, very shortly. As I introduce my guests, Racing Post journalist uh, Jonathan Harding, and he and I are between two men who competed at yesterday's Randox Grand National. Alan Johns, who was having his first ride in the race on Eva's Oscar, and Davy Russell, who has now brought the curtain down on a glorious career. Uh, you have definitely brought have, the curtain down I have on punches, a glorious so. career, haven't you? I'm going to punch on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm... I'm I'm out. I'm out. I'm, as as you saw yesterday, I smoked the last cigar uh, on the way out. So um, yeah, it was marvelous. I've just it was great to go out the way I went out, and um, a couple of Grade One winners, some very talented horses, and again, they're all young horses looking towards the future. We're going to have a, a lengthier linger over the CV of Davy Russell a little bit later on in the programme, but we're going to devote the first part of today's show to having a, a good and and detailed look back on yesterday's uh, events. Jonathan, I, I want first to get from you your your immediate response to, to yesterday's race uh, uh, after you'd watched it. What were all the emotions going through your head? Well, I think like a lot of people, it was fairly mixed emotions because of what had happened before. We had the obviously the protesters coming onto the course, a delay to the race, and then such a brilliant fairy tale result for a syndicate and connections that are, are so, such brilliant um, sort of adverts for the sport. So mixed feelings and I think it just highlights particularly what happened before the scale of the challenge that that racing faces in in sort of getting on the front foot and getting its message out there to, um, and and defending itself I think is probably a fair a fair characterization of it but that aside it, it was a Brazil a brilliant result and we will be hearing as I said from Lucinda Russell a little later in the program Alan the experience for you wasn't how you wanted it to be Eva's Oscar um, was Apparently taking quite well to it until a horse fell right in front of you. Yeah, well, it was a brilliant experience until very suddenly it wasn't. So um, <laughs> we were going very well and um, Delta Work, um, he almost fall in, fell in front of us. Uh, I was hampered and um, came out the side doors. So disappointed, but we had a great spin till then. And um, yeah, I took it all in and enjoyed it to that point anyway. Uh, and I think it's just sort of worth asking both of you, really, uh, you know, to what extent you were in any way uh, affected by by the delays and what the atmosphere was like in the in the jockeys' room and, and whether you knew what was going on. Yeah, well, we felt there was there was 
time was passing by and we were wondering mm, why aren't we getting a call and then someone said that there was protesters on so then we had to sit back down and just chill out and wait until we got the notification to go out and 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 there was a couple of things that the horses were leaving the parade ring they were coming back into the parade ring and uh, that we weren't to we, we need to get the photograph out of the way and load the things out of the way before we um, actually went and got the bell so it could have been another matter of time and we wanted to, d to delay our ourselves going out to the parade ring for as long as we could until we just walked out said a few words and got up and, and left and down to the start you know so it was it was timing was was different I, I'm surprised it was only 14 minutes I think is that's a credit that is a credit to everyone because it felt like an hour it did it yeah. did when you were down there in the in that parade ring it, it felt way longer than 14 minutes and they mm. caught up the time to get the the final race off as well the chief executive of the jockey club uh, the parent company of entry race courses nevin truesdale and joins me on the line now morning nevin good morning nick i know you've been doing the news rounds this morning i heard you on five live a little bit earlier yep. on and um, now so many people within racing are being called upon to to advocate for the sport how challenging has that been for you this morning it's been a theme of the whole week, to be honest, Nick. And I actually don't think you, you've used the word challenging. I don't think it's particularly challenging at all, because I think it's Jonathan touched on it there, and I think he's absolutely spot on. Um, what this has done is bring the issues that we're facing into as a sport to the fore and allow us to get out there and talk about them confidently, because because we should. You know, we, we should be out there, as we have been this week, talking about the measures we've taken, how much we care about these horses, the changes we've made over the years, not just at Entry, um, and credit to the team at Entry for all the changes they've implemented over the years, um, but everywhere across this sport, and we should be proud of that. You know, we should be proud of the fact that fatalities have reduced by a third. We want to keep them reducing again. Of course we do. Um, but you know, the fact is 99.8% of horses are coming back safe from the races. Six grand nationals we went without one fatality in that race. The change we made again this year and will continue to make um, means that we actually, as a sport, have a really good story to tell. And I think being out there this week, being able to talk about that, is something that we need to continue doing. And I know there's been some social media momentum behind this. We obviously saw, we heard from Kevin Blake the other night. Um, I've been on a number of channels talking about this. And we should be out there calling you know, the protesters out for what they are, which is lawbreakers. And the impact they would have had yesterday on those horses would have been completely at odds with what they think they're trying to achieve. So let's get out there on the front foot and let's really face this head on as a sport because we should and we can and we've got the absolute ammunition to do so. Do you think there is a fine line to be drawn between spreading a positive message about horse racing and drawing battle lines that could, could make this situation yet further inflamed and even more divisive? Absolutely, Nick. And we, you know, this is where I think we need to be very clear on our minds. We, we should be telling our story positively. That should be our primary focus. Um, and I think that's what we've been doing. N nobody wants to get into a big um, sort of diplomatic sort of war of words. Um, although words don't seem to be um, to cut through much with some of these organisations. What we should be doing is telling a story. What we should also be doing, which we have been doing, is engaging with um, the, more, the more reasonable and rational welfare charities, people like World Horse Welfare, the RSPCA, all of whom um, can see the changes we've made, who continue rightly to put us under pressure to make further changes, 
Um, I was with Rolly Oars yesterday. We were interviewed together um, on Radio 4 yesterday morning. And I agreed with pretty much everything he said. And those are the people we should be working with as a sport whilst telling our story um, confidently and positively. Nevin, how did protesters manage to breach the perimeter fence yesterday, even though there were so many advance warnings of potential protests? Yeah, I mean, good question. I think, I think it's fair. I think we don't probably all agree that a site of that size um, and, and that layout is very, very difficult to completely secure. You can never look people in the eye and say, no, that, that can't happen. I actually walked up yesterday morning at about sort of 8.30, 9 o'clock. And even then, we had you no know, high-vis policemen out um, with dogs, dogs I wouldn't have wanted to face, I have to say, um, on the other side of those fences. And then the, 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 I think the police and our security teams um, and our team at Avery, all of whom deserve immense credit for the effort that they put in, did as much as they possibly could. But but the reality is you, you are never going to completely prevent that on a, on a site of that size and layout. And the the way, and we'll, clearly we will learn lessons from how they may have got in, we'll continue to improve it. But I thought it was dealt with extremely efficiently, extremely well. Credit to everyone involved, especially to the police. I think um, Serena Kennedy and, and, and Paul White, the, the chief constable and deputy chief constable, should be immensely proud of their officers, um, as we are immensely proud of our team at Aintree and everybody else um, who helped. But you know, we will continue to review security as we always do for these events um, and, and make sure we continue to improve it. But you know, Davy's right in what he just said. The fact that it was just a sort of just a smidgen around 15-minute delay, um, which did feel a lot longer, I agree with you there as well, Nick, um, is absolutely phenomenal. A tribute to everyone involved. Yeah, that was obviously the reason it felt longer to, to us on the ground there, Nevin, was because of our anxiety as to to how this was was played out, and indeed a 40-minute delay was actually not that significant as it as it, as it happened. Um, Hill 16 lost his life at the first fence yesterday. Between 2013 and 2020, there were no fatalities in the in the race. Then there was a fatality in 2021. Um, there were two fatalities in 2022. And we've got one fatality this year and two horses that are still being assessed, um, one of whom is in a, a critical condition. We know that, more of which in a, in a moment. What should we as a sport do now? What should Entry Racecourse do to further enhance the safety of the Grand National? Well, I think we need to review the whole thing over the next few weeks, Nick. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and speculate now on, on measures and changes we might make. It would be wrong for me to get into specifics um, this morning. You know, Seleka and her team and, and the BHA team um, will we'll do that and we'll come up with any recommendations that they feel appropriate over the next few weeks and months, as they've done every year. But I think we, we should be setting the tone of saying... We will not rest until we continue to reduce the fatality rates to make any tangible changes we need to make. Um, and I'm sure there's, there's plenty that we can do, come up with in terms of, you know, once we've done the analysis of the faller rates and the and the fatalities. And, and Nick, can I just take this opportunity? You, you mentioned the horses that we lost. I really would just like to extend my sympathy and that of everybody at the area, the Jolly Club, to, to Connections of Hill 16 and also to Dark Raven as well, um, to Simon um, and to Isaac. Um, who was we, we lost one of the other races yesterday. I think that's, that's critically important. Nevin, thanks for your time this morning. Nick, thank you very much indeed. Nevin Truth, our chief exec of the Jockey Club. Uh, I mentioned the two horses that were taken for assessment yesterday. I've been on the phone to Shark Hanlon this morning. He trains Cape Gentleman. 
He said uh, the horse has suffered a career-ending injury. He severed a tendon in the race and was pulled up sharply just before the chair. He said that his new American owner, Pierre Manigo, has said that he will do whatever it takes to save the horse's life. He's going uh, under surgery today, and he said it doesn't matter what it takes, um, you know, financially or logistically. Uh, he wants the horse um, to have a, a full life in retirement uh, in his paddocks in, in the United States or in Ireland, wherever is, is safer. So Cape Gentleman, he's not out of the woods, but Connections are doing every, everything they can to save him. Um, and uh, it goes without saying he, he won't be racing again. So um, that's the news on Cape Gentleman. I haven't as yet got news on Reciter Prayer, but we're just trying to find that out for you. I've got news on Johnny Burke, um, who took a, a nasty fall on Sam Brown at the chair. He's broken his arm. Um, Johnny, we wish you well. He's been in touch with us this morning. Um, so a race that has, uh, has taken its toll. Davey, I just want to get your, your broad assessment, having listened to, to Nevin Truesdale there, on sort of how you feel about the race as a whole. Well, it's, it's definitely heartwarming to listen to Nevin to say to speak with the way he's speaking about our about our industry. Uh, so, um, the care from flagfall in the morning till we go to bed at night of these animals is you know is second to none. You know, we we care for them. You know, like they are human beings and. Um, we're now able to speak about it the way we we we, we look after these animals, <coughs> and the steps that are taking for this to be kept up is you know fantastic by all the authorities, so no one can lag behind mm -hmm. whereas in the past it wasn't maybe as as scrutinized uh the care of these horses now it is scrutinized from all sides, and I think that is very reassuring uh, to hear that that they as the as the industry all different parts of the industry it's just been scrutinized that the horses are the number one care and we listen there about you know horses got injured and our first are on the mountain of horses and then we speak about Johnny Burke who's a human being who sits beside us in the wear room every day and it's the last thing we we think about you know um so the horse is to the forefront of everything all the time. And I'm not quite sure that the people that were protesting yesterday realised the the damage they were doing as they were protesting. Look, if that's what you want to do, protest by all means, no problem. But the manner they went about it was reckless, was not good um, from their side. Uh, it was very poorly organised and... I thought um, the, the, the experience they were laying upon the horse was unnecessary and the experience they were laying upon the riders and trainers, owners. As you said, you as a presenter on the day felt anxious. So if you as a presenter feels anxious, that passes on. It, it, it passes through the crowd. It goes towards the horse. Um, and that's the feeling that they get and that was the only reason that feeling was there was because of their behaviour this, this is a very interesting point and one that will be, will be argued over the next few days I would be very reluctant to put my neck on the line and say because the protesters no. was there a horse died No. 
However, what I can get from you guys, Alan and Davey, is a sense of the effect of that delay, the effect of a change in routine on the behaviour of those animals. Yeah, but so when your approach to a horse is, is how he is going to take it, uh, he or she or the horse is going to take it. So if you approach a horse calm, steady, everything is going normal, you, everything goes in a pattern, or every day they go to the races, there is a pattern that they go through. When that pattern is upset, things change, their mindset changes. So they were tacked up as normal, They're, they were brought to the parade ring, paraded as normal, but then they were taken out of the parade ring. Their tack was loosened. Um, it was a, a long period of time for them to be tacked up. It was, it was, they were in unfamiliar territory. So will that mess with their adrenaline levels? Well, again, I'm not speaking, I can't get into their head, but I do know is that when a horse, they're, they're, it's, it's done in a system of kind of 15 minutes mm -hmm. between a horse is tacked up and brought down to the start and the race has started. And that is where they're, they're in their most comfortable is when they're galloping and jumping and taking part in the race. The uncomfortable part is before the preparation. The preparation. Yeah. And so the only way I can say is that the longer that preparation or the more upsetting that preparation is for a horse, that is the most uncomfortable time for them. One footnote to that, I mean, where, where the effect of the protest was actually felt tangibly and where there is evidence is that the ladders were being thrown over the perimeter fence. And we believe that your horse, Galvin, has cantered off the track into an area where some ladders were left and has actually cut himself on one of those ladders. Yeah, and, and that's the other side of it with horses. Everything has to be secure, like they need to be in an area that they it's, can't do yeah. any harm to themselves. And that area was um, tainted or, or it was, it was, it was there, there was added, we can, added we can see stuff that here. here. Just He's just to the, the left-hand left side of the screen. There's some yeah. ladders. Then there he is. Yeah. So on number three, that's him. And one and of the other horses there is recite a prayer. Yeah, and he has he got a, a nasty cut. And again, Gordon walking towards towards him. He first thing is Galvin okay? Mm. Is Galvin, he obviously saw I was okay. And um, <laughs> and Ronnie and and his wife Ronnie uh, Bartlett. Yeah. First is Galvin okay? We can we can sort everything out else out once Galvin is okay and he's safe and sound and he was he had a, he had a, a nasty cut on him but nothing that is hopefully uh, the vets will sort him out. It's it's a an odd experience this morning to sort of trying to marry up this um, this whole array of uh, of emotions conflicting emotions. Alan, you, you went to to the race yesterday with so much hope and expectation and excitement. Mm. Was it still great to be a part of the event? Oh, absolutely. I, I milked it for all it was worth, to be honest. I, I <laughs> quite had a, right, too. I had, a, I had a great day. Obviously, it didn't quite turn out as I'd hoped the, the sort of fairy tale ending, but um, up to that point, it was great. I think I was personally surprised with the protesters. We'd, we'd obviously heard in the days and weeks leading up to the event that they'd planned to disrupt the, the day. I felt that they'd probably do it in the morning and maybe try and stop people getting on the course. I was very shocked at race time that they did actually... You know, interrupt with the the horses, and the, I, you know, I was I was very surprised at that. And look, we don't know quite the the effects it's had, but it's certainly um, you're sort of adding risk to the horses by by affecting their sort of lead up to the race. And I, I was surprised at that. 
Um, but, you know, they've obviously, in their eyes, they've won because they've sort of got the news headlines and all the rest of it. But I do think it's a shame that they've, um, you know, they have impacted on the horses. You know, Eva's Oscar, they took him out of the paddock. They had to take his tongue tie off, loosen his tax, start again. And these are the little things that can... You know, obviously, it had no no impact on me in, in, on that front, but it, it's opening the door to those situations, and um, yeah, that was that was a shame. And go on. <laughs> uh, as, as Alan has said, if 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 they are taking that as a victory, then you know, getting on the papers, that is not a victory. Like a victory for us was that everybody got around safe and sound, but that was upset. Galvin has got a has caught it. He didn't unnecessarily didn't need to get. Eva's Oscar, obviously, like taking horse off a horse's tongue tie, loosening his girt, tightening up his girt, they're all unnecessary risks. Mm. Um, it's a sport of fine margins. It's a, yes, and as we, we've heard, we are trying to narrow down the risks and, and all of a sudden the people that are saying that they're on for Adam welfare explode the risks that we are trying to, um, trying to get rid of. You know, and, and that's where the, that's the problem. That's where the problem lies. They, they, they do not understand um, what goes through and what, what, what the care and attention that goes through with these animals. And unfortunately, that's the world we live in. It's a very interesting perspective you're both offering. Jonathan, is it fair to say, having listened to all of that, mm. that every time there is an incident, a fatality, a serious injury in the Grand National, we need to reappraise our view of it and we need to reappraise um, the the safety of the race. I was really impressed with Nevin's comments there, actually, coming from a position of confidence and not apologising all of the time. I feel like it's natural that that race and jump racing and all racing in general needs to constantly evolve and be looked at and assessed because, as these guys have put so brilliantly, the horse is at the centre of it and minimising those risks is an ongoing process. I think for me it's a, as much a communications issue as much as anything else and that racing has to be proactive but it has to do that in the right way. It needs to discuss with the right people who are receptive, get that welfare message across. But the people yesterday, you need to be firm as well. You need to be willing to actually say there's a line in the sand. You know, We're all for people standing up against what they perceive to be animal cruelty but that's not what this was. That's not what this was at all, and actually it had the opposite effect. Sandy Thompson is the trainer of uh, Hill 16, who was the horse who died at the first fence yesterday, and this is what Sandy had to say. The start was delayed by almost 15 minutes after several protesters were able to get onto the entry course. Delay caused Hill 16 to become hyper, according to Thompson, who was adamant the actions of the protesters were behind his horse falling for the first time in his career. It's not good, he said. He got absolutely hyper, and we washed him off. These were quotes to the Racing Post. They haven't got a clue what they're doing. He just hasn't taken off at the first fence. He's got so bloody hyper uh, because of the carry-on. He went on to say, it's the statistic we're all trying to avoid. He's jumped around here twice. He's never had a bother. I don't know when he last fell. I know how ignorant these people are. They haven't a clue. They just cause more problems than they ever solve. So clearly a, a very emotional and understandably emotional Sandy Thompson yesterday uh, after Hill 16 um, died. We've just had a, a message on Recite a Prayer. It was one of the horses being assessed yesterday. We've heard from the stables representative, uh, not life-threatening, nowhere near it, we're told. So that is welcome news as regards recited prayer. I've already told you that Cape Gentleman, he's going to have surgery today, but they're going to do everything they can, uh, whatever it takes, to save Cape Gentleman after he's severed a tendon. We are now, I'm very pleased to say, 
going to connect with our winners. There they are. It was uh, seven days ago that we had this picture of Lucinda Skew and Korak Rambler. And it is a delight and a joy to see you all again clutching that Randolph's Grand National Trophy. Um, Lucinda, he's, um, he's being a good boy this morning, Korak. I sort of feel that we're about to take the whole tone of your show right down. It's just going to be destroyed. I'm sorry. But, yeah, no, he's been fantastic. He's been out in the field. He's having a lovely time. We're just so proud of him. You know, um, yeah, I'm just so pleased with him. Well, you, you must be ridiculously proud of him. He's a horse of such charisma, a horse that was such a popular winner as well. I, I wanted to know from you, Lucinda, how you felt about the public reaction to, to you guys and to this horse. Oh, I was really touched by it, you know. I think we're, we're very lucky, and I know, I'm sorry, I've had to record your programme, but I think you're right. There's, we, we've got to, there are people that we need to win over, but the people that are already on our side, you know, a horse like this is just ideal for them to follow. He's got very odd face markings, but he's immensely talented and with just an incredible personality. And I know we know it, but it's just nice if other people can share that as well. And and I said before the race that the thing about the Grand Nationals, it puts the horses into history. And I just, I'm so proud of Corrette that he's in history, even though he's Skew. not that bothered at the moment. <laughs> Skew, he's not going to stand still for too long. We saw that We saw that last week, even after galloping four and a quarter miles and taking on 30 fences yesterday. Is there any bottom to this horse? Oh, look, I, I don't... <clears throat> you know, with, again, going back to the subject we talk about, you know, I think... For this particular horse, it was a very fair test, that, that race. And he, um, and, uh, so I, I don't want to see a bottom to him. I, uh, I, I, one of the most ridiculous statements in racing is, oh, come on, let's go and out, find out how good he is. I don't want to find out how good he is. I just want him to be set a fair test every time he goes out and come back like this. I mean, he, straight after the race, I mean, he was tired after the race, but within... A short time, they took him out onto the front of the court. Paul Lucinda wasn't there because she was doing all the press interviews. But he stood there with people taking photographs of him. And, um, you know, he, he wasn't tired. It, it, but, but he is a remarkable athlete. But it's, I don't want to get to the bottom of him, no. I mean, you have spent your life with, with horses. You, you rode tens of thousands as a jockey. You must have been very fond of an awful lot of them. You've been partially responsible for the preparation now of no fewer than four Grand National winners, um, even though your name won't appear alongside any of them. But I, 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 why, why have you really fallen in love with this horse as you have? Ooh, I, I don't want to... You know, I, they're all different, actually. You know, I look back to Bindery and Earth Summit. I saw the lovely owner of Earth, you know, and Nigel Payne, who has been responsible for the promotion of Aintree over the many years. And I always laughed with Nigel when Earth Summit won the Grand National. I, I love it. As Lucinda said, with Arthur, it was life-changing. Earth Summit was life-changing from the, Nigel Payne, who we used to laugh. And Nigel, if you said, oh, I see that uh, Sadler's Wells won the derby. Well, if you go back and long enough in Earth Summit's pedigree, you will find a relation to Earth Summit. You know, it changed his life. He, he couldn't get a sentence out without saying Earth Summit. Um, <laughs> Bindery was fantastic. And, and then, you know, Arthur, we, I was just, Arthur was more like a child. 
uh, and therefore you loved him just the same. He wouldn't have stood this. Uh, uh, he didn't like the attention that, uh, like Korak does. It's, now, don't you pour on me. I'm telling everybody how <laughs> you can have a character. Um, he is just an extraordinary horse. I couldn't say that. You know, I, we talk about love. Uh, these horses, um, you know, they don't love us. I, I am just. I, I try to use the words. You know, he has given me immense privilege. This horse, and with that privilege comes immense responsibility and you know get it out to the public that we are a wonderful sport um and you know with, without you know the, the death is inevitable um, to him to me to you suffering is not acceptable and i believe that racing has brought the standard of welfare and care to horses that would perhaps i wish it would get to some humans and uh, without the races like the Grand National, you know, the, the investment wouldn't be there in, in, in their welfare and, and their veterinary care. And, and that stops the suffering. That's um, absolutely spot on. Um, Lucinda, I, I just want to ask you, this horse has given everything yesterday. What, what's what's the, going to be the plan for him now? We're going to build a castle in the garden for him, and we're going to live there with him. <laughs> and then, uh, and there'll be fairies and little uh, I can't think, dancing around the garden. <laughs> you see what I have to put up with? Everyone says, "Oh, Peter Tudor was a tough jockey." You wait, Davy Russell. You're going to go the same way. Um, I don't know. I, I just, um, I think he'll have a nice summer now. I don't know. Will he do the national again? We'll have to speak to the owners and see see what they think. But. Um, for me, he's just, he's owned himself a historical status, and I just think he's a wonderful horse. Uh, we were talking about it coming back last night. He'll probably have to go into conditions races now because we might have finally blown his handicap mark. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we'll, we'll see. I don't, at the moment, all I want to do is tell him how much, how much we have to thank him. I mean, I, this is the wrong time to ask this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Could you actually see the horse in a Gold Cup next year? Uh, look, uh, obviously, we have a wonderful man, Paul McIver, who does our form planning for us. I, I, and Luce was, so he will give us a list of races that he can go to. Luce said, you know, you know, I love my rugby. Um, like, uh, these players come back from a British Lions tour. It really takes their energy out of them. Um, I suspect, though he's come out remarkably well, I suspect it'll hit him at some stage. Um, I, I don't think we'll see him much till the autumn time next year. He'll have a big, long holiday. And, uh, yeah, he will go back to Cheltenham because, well, he's unbeaten at Aintree and Cheltenham, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so he likes those I've forgotten that. <laughs> um, Lucinda, I, I, Skew is just so overwhelmed that um, he, he's making a lot of sense and, and some nonsense as well. Uh, but I, I, w I want you to put the final word on this with a with a, a thought for Derek Fox, because he took a... I'm not saying he took a risk, but it was a calculated risk to miss a Hoy Senor on Thursday, and, and it was all about this horse. Uh, that takes a bit of doing. That, that's pretty brave what he, what he put himself through the last couple of weeks. Yeah, but uh, everyone that knows Derek, he's a very thoughtful boy. He, um, we had to... We just, yeah, we had to make a decision, and, and it was a... You know, he knows the horse. That maybe, that's the, maybe that's the wonder of having a jockey that that knows the horses that work with us and that um, know everything that we're trying to do. He's been part of that. Can, can I come in there? Just, I know. But I, <laughs> remind, you know, I had a bit of a fallout with him on Friday, but he only in the, 
he's so direct. Where he'd be like Davy, he's so direct in his talk. He says what he means. And I said, come on, Derek, get yourself. You ride Apple away. He'll, she'll win. Ride Apple away. So no, I'm going to ride one horse. He he had the ultimate faith in this horse. And that perhaps Davy and Adam can elaborate on this. But I don't think between them they never missed a beat. A quite extraordinary. And, you know, I know that a loose horse went across from the canal turn and something, but I don't think you'll, you'll rarely see such a clean round of jumping where a rider and horse are at one. And, and, and that's the whole point of our, what we're trying to do, I think. Um, Lucinda, Skew, Korak, what a team you are. Um, you've warmed all our hearts. Thank you so much for everything the last, uh, the last week or so as well. And it's just wonderful to see the horse in such good shape this morning and just um, keep going with those carrots, Skew. <laughs> thank what a you. good boy. He stood still this morning. <laughs> and thank you to everyone that, that supports him. He really is a phenomenal horse. I'm so pleased that people appreciate him. Just beautiful to see him. Thanks so much. There's nothing like it, is there? Just to see the horse the morning after in such good condition. He's a, such a character as well. Yeah, um, you're on about Scoo there. <laughs> the chat, but, uh, no, obviously the horse looks very happy. It's nice to see the ha happy uh, trainers around them. And uh, just watching the replay when I came back in yesterday, the horse just looked absolutely dominant on the day. Jumping the last, it looked like he was doing a half speed. He did the old sort of classic looking over his shoulders like a jockey would as he got to the elbow, waiting for everyone else. But um, he just looked in a bit of a league of his own a bit yesterday, I thought. And, and sometimes it's, a, it's about showing and not telling. And you can just see one man's love for his horse there, you know, rides him every single morning. And I think it was just so timely with everything that we had yesterday. There was a lot of good stories in that Grand National, but I thought it was a perfect winner, really, just for the thoughts afterwards. And, and to speak so well about his love of the horse, I think, was very timely. Uh, Alan, Derek Fox, um, Davey and I were speaking about this last evening. He's a, he's a cool cookie, isn't he? He is indeed. He's quite a quiet character, and he he sort of he wouldn't say much to you. And I sort of pop in and say, "All right, Derek," and he's like, "Oh, how are you? Yeah, yeah, good." So uh, he's quite quiet, keeps himself to himself, but he he knows what he's doing on the back of a horse. So. Would you would you have done what he did? Miss what? The, miss those two Grade One horses just to save yourself for the Grand National oh, with an injured shoulder, collarbone, etc. I'd been far too excited to ride a horse in your on the Thursday. I think so. Um, yeah, he's obviously got a plan in his head. So I think he obviously had a nasty bump at Weatherby. So I don't quite know the full story there. But um, yeah, he's obviously had a plan and stuck to it and it's paid off. What I know everybody wants to do now is to, to look back at the, the race. Uh, we're going to do that uh, in, in full. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to check in with the, the trainer of the very valiant runner-up, Vanillier, Gavin Cromwell. Sharp-eyed viewers will have noticed Gavin Cromwell's been in the waiting room for quite some time, but he didn't mind waiting for uh, Korak Rambler. And here is Vanillier. Uh, how's he doing, uh, Gavin? Yeah, good, Nick. Not, not, a, not a bother. He got home there at um, 7 o'clock this morning, so he's just about to go to the field. And, and how, how did he take to the whole... The whole experience. He's obviously run a uh, run a tremendous race. What was the what was the feedback? How do you feel he went through the race? Yeah, he, he took to it well. Um, Sean said maybe a little bit sticky over the first three, um, but got a lovely run around the inside. Jumped well on the hole, um, and you know, look at rallied really well in the finish. And obviously, part of all our responsibilities is trying to source the right horses that would be would be suitable for the race. How long has it been your in your mind that he was a he was a national type horse? 
Uh, well, look at it. Sure, he always looked looked like a chaser, and um, you know, an Albert Bartlett winner, he clearly stays very well. So um, we've always said chasing was going to be his game. Um, last year was a bit of a disaster, of, not a disaster of a year. Like he's a great two winner, but um, he ran an international hunt chase and um, just never really jumped the fence. So um, subsequently, we've discovered that he had a kissing kissing spine problem. And he had surgery last summer on his break and um, been a different horse this year. So uh, the national was always the plan. A happy horse and clearly a, a very willing horse on, on what he did yesterday. Was there ever a moment yesterday you thought, I've got a, I've got a squeak here? Um, probably not really. I mean, the winner looked, you know, particularly from the turn in, you know, he just arrived there like a, like a really well handicapped horse. And, um I just thought we were a little bit too far back to to you know to to try to actually come and win the race, but um, you know I suppose in the dying strides they thought the winner is pulling up and maybe we'll we might get there, but uh, just for a couple of seconds. But the line was just too too close. Did you allow yourself even a little shout? I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bad manners, not to. Absolutely uh, bad manners. Uh, clearly, any horse who's run well like that around Aintree, you, you you think about next year. Are you just going to build next season around a return trip or or, or not? Ah, uh, yeah, you'd have to. Uh, you know, I look at it. It's um, definitely have to, but it is a long time until then. Um, obviously, he's not going to be thrown in as he was this year. A handicapper will have a say and. You know, we we got all the luck in the race yesterday, uh, but you know you need an awful lot of luck in it, and um, but we'll definitely we'll, we'll we'll have a go at it again. You know, it's just it's just been so lovely to see the horses this morning. First Corrick and now and now Vanillier. He he looks a pretty happy horse today. Yeah, he's um, not a bother on him. He's ready to work the field. So uh, it's a nice day here today. So he'll enjoy his day. Gavin, thanks so much. Good to see you. Good to see Vanillier. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. Very special moments for, for Gavin Cromwell. Um, and the horses run a, run a terrific race. We're going to have a look back at the race now and just see how it all unfolded and how the race was run, uh, won by, uh, by Corak Rambler and where your money went as well. Now, you know that, that four horses fell at the first. You know that Hill 16 of Fatality was one of those. So clearly we're not going to, to show that, that, that fence again. Uh, but recited prayer also went there. We we had it confirmed today that uh, that it, he is he is basically okay. Um, Galvin Davies Mount went at the first fence as well, um, and as I said, Hill Sixteen Cloudy Glen was the other one that went at the first fence. What happened with Galvin? I've, I've had a would have bet long odds on that he'd complete the course. Yeah, I broke the number one rule. I I, I got blinded going to the first. I, I there was just two horses and I had a lovely gap. And then the last second, that gap closed, and he just never, he paid no attention to the fence. He was just running a little bit, just ran a little bit blind down to it. And uh, I overreacted and ended up coming out the back door. So uh, I ran out of rope when I was trying to grab the reins. It was like, um, it was like a cartoon character. So, and I landed on my bum, and he galloped off into the sunset. Uh, and, and so you completely blamed yourself? Oh, it was 100% my own fault, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just just uh, I, I should have went up in between the two horses to make sure that I held my position to see the fence, and I didn't. I was happy with where I was, and that gap just closed, and it it it. I'd know I'd know I didn't see the fence. 
And uh, talk, talk to me about your run to the first, Alan. What were you feeling as the, as the tapes went up? What were you trying to well, trying to establish? Yeah, it was um, rule number one is try and get a clear sight of the fence, and I I managed to do that, but not by actually. I I wanted to be sort of front row going down to it, and I was a bit slow away, so a couple came across in front of me. But it was early enough, so I had time to sort of assess the situation. Whereas Davy perhaps happened right in front of the fence. I had half a furlong to think, right, where can I go to find a bit of space? So I think I just pulled to the inside and uh, got a clear sight. It was a bit untidy over the first couple, but then I think it was the fourth fence. He jumped nicely, and I felt like the cogs turned in his brain. Then he, think, he thought, oh, I sort of got the hang of this now, and from there he was he was away. Then right here we go. Then we'll take it from from fence three, and. Uh... Coco Beach and Harry Cobden having a high old time of things in front. There's one or two of these just not having a go at all. Dunn Boyne is right at the back. It's, it is interesting when you you, 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 don't, you can't really predict which horses will love it and which horses will hate it, but there are some that that just don't go right from the outside, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, you know, you're, you're know some, you know your fate quite early. Um, and Dunn Boyne was one of them. Um, and uh, any second now didn't really like it this year for some reason he's really enjoyed himself there in the past but this year he didn't really go um, uh, Corrick Rambler actually speaking to Derek after the race he felt that he was actually a lot more forward than he would have that he kind of had planned to be that he really travelled and really really took to it he jumped from fence to fence and uh, he jumped speeches like it's it's just a, a hurdle you know he's, he was very good at it and you've got yourself here um the grey, Eva's Oscar, you're just better than mid-div there. You're in a pretty good posse. I just couldn't be happier, to be honest. I was very conscious not to be, sort of have the revs up too much and be chasing the front couple, so I was very happy to be where he was, and he's he settled into a rhythm at this stage, and I've actually um, yeah, got a nice run down to this, and I was very happy from here on. And um, Longhouse Poet was uh, the one that went at the, at the canal turn. I'd have, again, bet pretty good money that he'd get round. OK, now loose horses are posing a problem. Uh, Davy, and this is lifetime ambition, who got completely wiped out there. Yeah, unfortunately, the loose horse, uh, the loose horses went to either side of the fence, and uh, um, 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 Sean, Sean had no, had nowhere to go. But uh, it's just watching Corrick Rambler down the inside, it, like he's really travelling. And if you go back along the line, you see the red colours of Vanillier uh, back along. Um, he's the horse to finish second. Um, yeah, he's the grey on the inside, about three quarters of the way back down the field. That's right, and he's actually followed by the third, I think, which is directly behind uh, the grey behind him in uh, the yellow and black colours. So there's actually a line of the winner, the second and the third, but there's, it's clearly visible that Corrick Rambler is the one that's really enjoying himself. Yeah, by contrast, Dunboyne is not enjoying himself as they no. come round into the into the home straight. Sam Tusson Davis has got a nice position on our power, and this is where... Nico de Boyneville's mount, Mr. Coffey's absolutely tanked to the front. I mean... Yeah, the loose horses seem to have set him off a little bit. Yeah. Um, so in a race, usually at this part of the race, you don't have horses rushing by you, whereas the loose horses have no, are not being controlled. So they're rushing by and kind of set Mr. Coffey alight. And he's such a good jumper. And Nico sits very quiet on him um, that he was kind of never going to let it go, he kind of seemed to do a little, a lot, a lot, use up a lot of energy at this stage of the race, which is not ideal. And you, from a pace point of view, Alan, are probably in the perfect position here, because you're right upside Korak Rambler, you're you know, three away, you're more to the outer, he's to the inner, but you're sitting just off the pace. Yeah, absolutely, I was um, 
conscious to keep him travelling. I was surprised by how well he was going at this stage, really. He's always been a horse. He's probably lacked a bit of speed in the past. I'm a bit conscious to spend the whole programme talking about a 50 to 1 shot that didn't get around. But <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm you're here. Most of it. Yeah, uh, we want, it. Your, we want your experience yeah. of, of doing this no, as well. No, absolutely. And on the court, I have the mandatory course walk with Carlo Ellen in the morning, and I actually sort of, sort of just made me think that I need to ride the the race and not the occasion and sort of not put the normal rules at the window and mm. I was conscious to try and pop the chair which I did and everything was going lovely for me really at this stage. Yes I hadn't really appreciated until we started watching the race again the level of heartache that I was about to subject you to because I, I sort of not appreciated just how good a spin <laughs> yeah. you'd had in this race you were in about a perfect position all the way around you can see at the chair there we lost Gabby's cross and also uh, Sam Brown, and it was Sam Brown from whom Johnny Burke took that fall. If you weren't with us earlier, he's confirmed he's broken his arm. Any second now is going nowhere. The white cap at the at the back. Velvet Elvis isn't really going anywhere. He is sensibly pulled up. And just in front of them, the chocolate and orange colours, Noble Yates is just starting to pick up the bridle, Davey. Yeah, and he did the same. He was ridden similar to than he was last year, but um, I suppose the extra weight probably did have an effect on him this year. Um, he's still travelling away. He hasn't. He's just hanging in there. Last year he kind of made a bit more ground. I see um, Sean, uh, Sean is just bouncing down the saddle to get him to liven him up a small bit, and he just didn't. It wasn't an immediate reaction as it was last year when um, he was asked for an effort. He came right onto it, you know. Um, but again, you're drawn to Corrick Rambler the whole time. He's just travelling away, and you watch uh, Brian Hayes is down the inside on um, his name. Uh, Brian Hayes is on Mr. Incredible, the yeah. pale blue colours, the striped cap. Yeah, so we'll watch it. Oh, this is uh, Coco Beach making Coco a mistake. Or oh, Cobden's done well here. That's yeah. a difficult one to get away from because you have nothing in front of you and you just need a horse to keep going to get you back in the saddle. So, um, And he's a very good jumper so and he's a good, solid horse, so it was easy enough to get back on. But if you watch Brian Hayes down the inside, I think what happens to Brian is he, he over adjust for the yeah. canal turn canal and turn. the saddle this slip. Is, this is where Alan's race comes to an end and it's because Delta Works basically come right across you and oh, you've gone yeah. into the back of back on the lash. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, I actually bounced off Delta Work. He, he slithered and landed and lost his back end and I, I thought he was going to fall and we just rear-ended him and I think if the horse, if my horse had stayed straight I'd have been fine but it was the jolt and the, the left-hand swing that sort of did me there really. Another trump down on his nose there. He'd run well for a long way for Theo Gillard. Back on the lash is is retreating. Uh, Paul Townend's on Gayard de Manil there, the grey. He's going very wide. He was going inside, outside, inside, outside, which is trying to keep him interested. And this is what happens to Mr. Incredible. Just keep your eye the inside. We just highlighted him for you. After the canal turn, Davey, what yeah, happens here? I think with the, a bit like Alan, the horse ducked in and the sad, and with the saddle slipping, Brian had, had very little chance of uh, staying. You see, when he landed, the saddle is gone. Brian is trying his best. If he had to get any bit of weight onto his left leg, he would have corrected the saddle, but he just couldn't. His, his weight had shifted. I think it's one of those that when you're watching the replay, you're thinking, oh, will I stay on this time? But obviously... <laughs> yeah, and you, you, you see the second and third, how far back, the difference of Corrick Rambler travelling, doing everything easy, and Sean and Paul just kind of just niggling, trying to stay alive, trying to not use too much juice because there's still quite a bit to go. They're just trying to hang in there. They're just not travelling as well as, as, as the winner. Now, from the back, black sleeves, Rachel Blackmore has made up a ton of ground on yeah, Ain't That a Shame. Just, just doesn't it. stay the trip at all, no. does he? He's done it in the past, hasn't he? Mm. He's travelled really well through his races and just not really got home. 
it's just that difficulty, isn't it, of getting out in front and getting enough racing room versus not committing too early. You yeah. must be assessing that at every fence. Am I close enough to the pace? Yeah, you kind of just... Your horse, you see, it's all done on feel, so you have to get the feel from the horse the whole time that you have to keep putting him, him into his comfort zone. And that's the, the main thing that, you know, that... that um, Derek was able to do his he just had just lovely position the whole way he had him in his comfort zone and he's bringing the horse back whereas other lads are asking for an effort where he's just slowing the whole race down like you'd have different views as a jockey coming back in that whether you went quick or slow mm. on how easy your horse travels through the race yeah and I think I was chatting to Sean Bowen who I said by in the weighing room and he said on Noble Yates so you're trying to keep a horse in your rhythm and happy he was having to motivate his horse That's to get right. through gaps to try and get him going and just before I departed he, he sort of bust his way into a gap to, he was trying to get his horse you know get it going and trying an opposite sort of out of necessity really and obviously it didn't quite happen for him on the day and old Noble Yates has passed about eight horses on the run to, yeah. to finish fourth <laughs> yeah he's, a, he's a, a quirky horse to say the least but at this point you just think oh please don't throw this away Derek no he had saved he had done everything well and the old horse kind of he has a tendency to lift his head and drop his head and lift his head when he gets but only when he hits the front but Derek knows him so well he, he had it all covered and, but really his jumping his jumping was just outstanding it was and, real pure class and to me it was only because he was going so easily that he was at the front jumping the last I think um, that was just a sig signal of how well he was going That's really right. and then he obviously had his little spurt to go to the elbow and then the horse started thinking, crikey, I've been in front for too long for my liking, I might start messing around here for a minute, but he obviously had the race well in safekeeping by then. Yeah, I mean, a, an amazing horse and an extraordinary performance. And we heard from Gavin Cromwell Vanillier. What did you make of Gaillard de Manil's run in third? Yeah, I think similar to, to what he has done, I think he, he kind of won the four-mile chase by in similar circumstances he just didn't really happen from early on but obviously stayed really well and came home like a male train obviously he, you know he just wasn't good enough to win today I just thought that was him I, I think he, he ran his race I, I just not quite sure we're giving Derek as much credit as he deserves for what he has done during the week I think he had a broken collarbone and uh, there's a lot of pain involved there and to make, as you well said, make them decisions not to ride a high senior, not to ride apple a day, but just get it right. And it's not easy done like to get them decisions right. Forty runners, however many fences, and for it to work, it's 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 an amazing feat for 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 a man to to get it all to fall right for man. I think he made it. He made it work. And and Lucinda. Um I'm not saying she made light of it, but obviously she knows Derek very well, so she always had great confidence in him. But to say, to take that responsibility on yourself, saying, yeah, I'm not fit until Saturday, but I will be fit on Saturday, by the way, for the most important ride of the season. You've just got to trust me. For them to have that trust in him. Yeah, and maturity as a rider. You know, if he was a younger, the younger lads probably, you know, they're not able to cope with them situations as well. Derek is around a long time. He knows the ins and outs, but he knows what it's like to win a national and he knows what it takes to win a national. Um, he knew what he had. He's a, he's a clever guy. He's a good, good fella. And uh, he deserves all the plaudits. All right, let's check in with Nicky Henderson. It was a very good week for the Master of Seven. Barrows Constitution Hill did what he needed to do. Um, Shishkin produced a, a wonderful performance to run down Ahoy Senor. And just, just for a few strides... 
yesterday. It looked as though the 40-year wait might be over. Here he is. Nicky, good morning. Morning, Nick. Yeah. Did you dare allow yourself to get excited during the Grand National yesterday? I mean, Mr. Coffey, he fair tanked through nine-tenths of that race. Well, the thing you have to say, if you ever anybody ever doubts whether horses enjoy doing what they're doing, he was the epitome of it, wasn't he? Absolutely loved it. Fence to fence to fence. He never put a foot wrong. Um you could say he'd probably done a little bit too much, but it was a great try. Yes, you did there to think just sort of going to the second last when he's opened up again. Um, he might have had a, you know, he'd got a big enough break on them, but um, sadly the tank went to empty quite quickly. But it was a great thrill. It was great to watch him, and he he just loved every single minute of it. And, and Nico gave him a wonderful ride, and that. I would think he probably enjoyed it too. Just having a look at him now, and he's he's coming down to the, the closing stages of the race, and he's just sort of lengthening as he, as he turns for home. But but I think that the end of that first circuit where the loose horses came around, I mean, he just locked on a bit, didn't he? He did. We were actually worried that he wouldn't. You know, he's a, he's a, he can be quite a cold starter. And actually worried that he wouldn't be to have the pace just early in the race, you know, certainly get those first five fences going down to Beecham, that he might not be quick enough. But he was up there, the, you know, from the word go, he knocked on, actually. And he just took to the whole thing. He had been round at the top of last year um, and jumped very well. So this had always been the plan. Um, it it, it, it looked, looked like a good plan for quite a long way anyway. You're going to need to start planning this with a few more of these of these relatively unexposed horses now, Nicky, because you, you, yeah, this looked tantalisingly close for a little while. Now, have you got any up your sleeve? You think that you might be preparing for Grand Nationals in the in the future? Well, I'll, I'll have a look at what's in the what's in the locker later on. But I mean, not surprisingly, I'm pretty sure that'll be his objective for next year. Anyway, um, I hope you won't be a novice going into it next year. Um, there's no doubt that I will be, but um, it'd be nice to win a race with him somewhere along the line. And you know, he's he's run. It's not his fault that he's he's a novice of offences. He's he's run some fantastic races all the way through the season, as he did last season. Um, we haven't really given him a lot of easy opportunities, and perhaps that might be the nice way to go into it next year: is let him go and win an ordinary novice chase. Of course, he's handicapped pretty high, so it's not that easy. Um, but he loves it. He's a really, you couldn't have a nicer person of a horse. Um, he just enjoys his work. He does everything you could ask of him. And, you know, he he's, he's as bright as a button this morning. And you, you could only say he, he loved every second of it. You have seen so much during the the 40 years you've been involved in in the Grand National you know, you've seen great triumphs of Red Rum and and Alaniti and Grittar and more you've you've been second in the race yourself a, a more than once you you've seen the void race of 93 you saw the bomb scare of 97 and the dramatic events that preceded yesterday's race have been the subject of, of much conversation this morning and you know across the airwaves uh, what what was your reaction when you saw it all playing out well, I don't think anybody was surprised that it happened. I mean, I th- 
they've got to be um, the, whoever it was commended for getting the information that it was you know this was likely to happen and the fact that it got leaked was undoubtedly not going to stop them having a having a go and um i think the sad thing is that this race is all about um it's liverpool's race it's the people's race and i can't believe that that is what you know the people of of ancient and the public they love it and so do we and it's it's an awful shame if it's going to get scarpered like this because it just doesn't deserve it and and it's a minority i know and you know it was if if anybody says i think coffee was the was the epitome of what horses love doing and that is why we keep doing it um yeah, I want to go on. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, it was a great race. It was a pity it had to be tarnished like that. But I, I, I hope racing showed itself in a good light, in that it, you know, we got the show on the road. Everybody did a great job, and it was, yeah, it, it it's not nice for the horses to have to hang around like that. Um, we just took it and undid his girths and let them, let them loose for a moment. And then, you know, we were back pretty quickly. I think everybody did a really good job. The police were on the ball very quickly. I think they were expecting it anyway. So, you know, it was a pity, but, you know, little harm was done in the end of the day. Nicky, I want to talk about some of the other the triumphs of the of the week, particularly the, the race between Shishkin and a and ahoy, senor. How did Chishkin come out of that? He couldn't be better. I mean, Charlie Warlock, my sister, I've just been round the ball this morning because obviously I haven't seen them. I mean, he said he was he was on the walker yesterday and bucking and squealing. Um, you have to think that he he's probably just fooled us a little bit over the last year. Um, and it was a great race. So I'm... I'm, I'm I was sorry for Lucinda at the time, but we're great mates, and I was thrilled for them yesterday. Her and and, and Skew, they're great, and that was just having sort of nailed Oyster and you there on on um, on Thursday. I felt a bit of a hound, and um, so I was thrilled that they got their their desserts yesterday. But he's come back out of it really, really well, and there's no doubt that. He is a stayer, and that's where he will remain. It's where we'll start next year, I would imagine. Um, he was great. I mean, it didn't look likely to out, but you know, once he once he really picked up, he 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 did it really well. I've got to say, Nick gave him a wonderful ride, and he jumped beautifully here, which he hadn't done at Cheltenham. Yeah, he seemed much happier, all told, didn't he? In a good rhythm, and we can look forward to to next year and the and the King George and. And beyond, I, do you see him as a Gold Cup horse? I think you'd have to say yes. Um, I really do. I don't see why not. I mean, he's yeah. he's he's still a good horse around Cheltenham. He's he, he's won champion chases and things like that. So, um, you know, he's got the speed, but he's probably been crying out for a trip all along. Um, he had he's definitely lost an element of his pace. 
but um, you know he battled very well and he travelled well and he jumped well. I must say, I thought oh, he would have got away from us, but he sets a pretty good gallop and a, a searching test. So he was Hoyt and you know, you, you sympathise with him having fallen in the Gold Cup when he looked yeah. like he was going very well. Absolutely. Well, we can't wait to see Shishkin again. Obviously, we can't wait to see Constitution Hill again. Now, I, I saw two interviews after the race, Nicky. In one of them, you were, you were playing quite a straight bat, I thought, and, and it was quite kind of conventional what you had in mind, maybe, and sort of rowing back from all the, all the kind of bold, outlandish plans that had been, had been set out after Cheltenham. And in the other one, I heard you teasing us with the idea that you could, you could run him on the flat. So I thought, now, uh, what does he really think? Well, I think you could take the flat one out. <laughs> this is a flight of fancy, isn't it? <laughs> I, th I, th I think it was first thought up on April the 1st. Um, <laughs> I think actually it was, I was talking to John Gosden um, a couple of days later in a box at Cheltenham, and uh, I think I was sort of teasing. I'm not sure it was April the 1st, but it felt like it. Not a good idea at the time. So we, we, we're we going to put a fork in the flat theory. But the, yeah, we will. But the, He'll be in the field for that. He can watch it on telly. Fine. What about <laughs> what what about chasing? Nico did say you were going to school him sometime soon, or have you done it already? No, no, we definitely haven't. No, and I mean, <laughs> but I, I think we will um, at some stage. I mean, if, if the weather's... If in a couple of weeks' time the ground is still safe... We might well do it then, otherwise it might be in the autumn. But, you know, he is very, very good at this, isn't he? he he's got an awful lot of sp natural speed that he can quicken electrifyingly in the middle of a race at any stage. And, as Nick said, he was really only going round in... He was going round on his own, in his own time, but his own time is very, very quick. I suppose... You know, you would wonder whether he's, you know, you're, if he's going to go chasing, you could only really want to do it if you thought he was going to win a Gold Cup. And, you know, I suppose you might look at it and say that when you've got as much speed as he has, um, you know, is he likely to stay that far? That's, that's always the question. This was two and a half there on Thursday, but he's made it all on his own. Um, and he, as Nick I said, if a horse had come to him, you could have, he'd have picked up and gone, disappeared again. But I don't know. We, we'll just have to think it all out, and we'll, we'll see what what he makes of it all. It, it would be a surprise, wouldn't it, if when you schooled him? And I'm not trying to tempt fate, but when you see a horse that athletic and one who picks his feet up as swiftly and as smartly as he does, and just looks so assured with where he's putting his feet, it would be a surprise if he didn't jump those fences pretty easily, wouldn't it? I think he would, as long as it's the technique, really, that mm. we'd be looking at, rather than the fact whether he just yeah. gets pay to be. There are horses and there are hurdlers that... You know, Bouvardet was the obvious example yeah. of, a, of a hurdler that, yes, we did run him in two chases, but he hurdled his way round. And it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, he was he was pretty terrifying, wasn't he? When when he jumped the fence. Yeah, and then it it worked well because Altior was in the same year. Either of them could have won that champion hurdle that year, but luckily one of them had got the technique wrong, and one of them had got it right. And Altior was brilliant from day one. Bouvardet was pretty scary. 
he um, he was he, it just wasn't the right way to do it. So it made the decision to switch him back to hurdles, and then he wins two champion hurdles. So um, for once, we probably well, it wasn't very difficult, but at least we got it right. Uh, we ought to have a quick word about John Bond. Uh, he didn't end up with an awful lot to beat yesterday, but to what extent did you think the manner of his performance suggested that Cheltenham might not have seen him at his very best? I think un that's undoubtedly true. He was, a, he was a miles better horse yesterday than he was in Cheltenham. Um, his jumping yesterday was very slick. Um, you know, we we had to we had to do a few tweaks in between. He was a bit he was sore coming back from Charlton. Um It was he's a very good action horse, and I know Aiden would say I think he's a better horse on really good ground. That was lovely ground on the first day. It was lovely ground yesterday. Um, extraordinary how it dried out again because it actually wasn't very nice on on Friday, so much so that I actually begged the owners not to run Fantastic Lady in the top of them, and she, she ran an absolutely fantastic race. Um, and it was wet, but that, that, and well done, Ancient Day, gave us some beautiful ground, as always. Um, but I do think he probably is better on good ground. Undoubtedly, he would get two and a half. It was just that we were always going to go two and a half this week, except the two-miler Actually, JP picked it up very early on. Said, "Well, what is going to run in the two-mile novice?" Because we knew that Willie wasn't coming with either um, um, El Fabiolo, El Fabiolo, or, or um, Dysart Dynamo. Dysart Dynamo. And to be fair, there hasn't been an awful lot of, of two-milers in England this year either. So it, it always shaped as if it might be the obvious race, and and it was. So we came back to two. And he's plenty quick enough for that, yeah. but certainly on good ground. Um, just a final word, Nicky. Marie's Rock, I mean, I don't suppose you want to see this again, but <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what you do about a horse like Sider Burley. Well, you don't, because I was watching Sider Burley quite a bit because Champ was out of the back there with him. The two JP colours were conspicuous by their absence at the front of the race. And when Marie's Rocks got there on the bridle between the last two, you really did have to think that she's she definitely stayed. You couldn't say she didn't stay. It was just an incredible performance by the winner. Um, I just wish it had been Champ that had come past, not him. But there we go. They're all back in one piece. That's the main thing. <laughs>